0: Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you all call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have not, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. Amen. Roughly about two weeks ago now, I attended the funeral of a longtime attendee of Vandenberg Chapel. And I can say that as a result, the words of verse 24 are vividly true for me today. All people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but it is indeed the word of the Lord which endures forever. Regardless of what you did this past week and irrespective of what you will do after worship here ends, because I know all of you have lives, you're here right now because you desire to hear the eternal word of God preached. You could have been home. You could have listened to YouTube or listened to some sermon on the radio. But as verse 25 states, you came here to hear the Word preached to you. There's a difference between hearing a podcast and having the Word preached to you by someone flesh and blood just like you, but guided by the Holy Spirit. There is an anointing and an unction there that is unique to this gathering. In fact, we are called the church, ecclesia, the gathered ones. We are called and commanded by God to gather each week, to not neglect this, regardless of how busy we are or how difficult our weeks have been. In fact, this is the place for hope and rejuvenation, not in entertainment or in distraction, but in God. For God is the only one who can rejuvenate your hearts, your souls and lift you up after a demoralizing week. At the end of the day, you don't need my words, however, nor do you need stories from my life. You're also not here to be entertained. Instead, you are here to worship God through an accurate and faithful preaching of God's Word, but not merely listening to God's Word being preached, but as the Apostle James says, to be doers of the word. We're not going to delude ourselves this morning and merely listen, but we're going to go out and do because true believers demonstrate their faiths by doing. It is not by our acts that we are saved, but it is through our acts we demonstrate that we are saved. And so let's turn to God's word this morning. Right above verse 13, your Bible probably says, Be holy. If you have a Bible, if you took a pew Bible out and, and looked at it, it says in bold letters, Be Holy, right above verse 13. Now, of course, that heading is not part of the Bible. Instead, it's simply the editor's belief of what the main idea of this passage is. And I would agree. You take any exam Uh, They test you on reading comprehension. And if they were to ask you what is the main idea of this passage, it would essentially be, be holy. The central theological principle that I try to give you each week could very well simply be, be holy, and we could definitely go home with that. No problem with that. That's what this passage teaches. But there's more to this text. In today's passage, the Apostle Peter gives us at least four reasons as to why we ought to be holy. Because like children, we desire to know why. Believe it or not, holiness is the place to be if you want true joy. And for some of you, that statement sounds Radical, crazy, and in fact, it sounds false. I'm going to say it again. Holiness is the place to be if you want joy. And some of you are probably sitting there going, no, it's not. I was dragged into church this morning. You might be thinking, You see, many tend to see God as a killjoy because they know that the minute they sign up to be a Christian, God demands holiness from his followers. When we think of holiness, let's be honest, some of us think of nuns, monasteries, and perhaps even the military. Some of your mamas sent you to the military because you needed some holiness in your life. And and we think of strict discipline, abstinence, and long, sad, stoic faces. One man, knowing that becoming a Christian meant striving for holiness, said, Preacher, let me have fun. Let me have some fun with my life. I want to live like the devil, and I'll pray to accept Christ just before I die. Kind of thought he figured he had Christianity all figured out. Unfortunately for that man, he didn't realize that faith is a gift from God. Not a light switch that a person could turn on whenever he wants. Faith is not always available for you, which is why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. If you hear the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart to answer him today, you may never get that opportunity again. God is not a light switch. But quite frankly, without the Holy Spirit, all of us would... Be like that man. If we were honest with ourselves, depending on where we are in our spiritual maturities, we are like that man. In all honesty, last month, the infamous Hugh Hefner passed away. And quite frankly, we would desire to be Hugh Hefner over holy Christians, most days out of the week, if we were honest. In fact, Hefner said that he dreamed the dream, and he lived it out. And if many of us were honest, we know that Christianity calls us out of living a lifestyle like Hefner's, and yet in our hearts we desire something like that, and therein lies the tension. Something about the unholy constantly lures and attracts us, even after being saved. Some of us sitting here today can attest to the fact that some of our worst and lowest moments in life did not come before we came to Christ, they came after we were saved. Even watching the evening news demonstrates our knack for the unholy. According to one source, in a typical newscast, bad news is shown over good news as at a rate of 17 to 1. And to explore why people love watching bad news over good news so much, two researchers at McKill University in Canada conducted a study. They invited participants from their university to come to the lab for a study of eye-tracking. The volunteers were first asked to select some stories about politics to read from a news website so that a camera could make some eye tracking measures. They were told that it was important for them to actually read the article so that the right measurements could be prepared, but it didn't matter what they read. The results of the study, as well as the stories that were read most, were somewhat depressing. Participants often, time and time again, selected stories with a negative tone, corruption, setbacks, hypocrisy, and so on, rather than neutral or positive stories. People who were more interested in current affairs and politics were especially likely to choose the bad news over the good news. And yet, when asked those same people said that they preferred good news and that the media focused too much on bad news. Is it really the media's fault, however? I would contend that the media wouldn't be so focused on bad news if people weren't so attracted to it and gave them the ratings that they need. Now, we all know what unholy looks like, but what does holiness look like? Hollywood, cable TV, and newscasters all certainly know what we want quite well. There's a reason why, uh, even for Christians, secular music has a draw. We keep They keep serving it up in order to keep their ratings high. But the question for us this morning is not so much what does the unholy look like. We're all familiar with that. We all know what that looks like quite well. The question ought to be, What does it mean to be holy? That's an important question. What does it mean to be holy? Think about that. Some of you are in church today and you're thinking, well, I came to church. I was pretty holy today. But some of the most lurid thoughts could occur right in the church pew. On Thursday of last week, I attended uh, the Protestant Men of the Chapel's lunch Bible study, shameless plug right there, urge you to come, which is led by one of our very own. And if you're a guy, I highly encourage you to attend. But the October 19th devotional, at the very last paragraph, said this, our reverence for God's word is revealed not only by what we say, but also by what we do. Spending more time reading and studying the words of people rather than the word of God reveals our heart's condition. To blatantly disregard God's word is to reject life itself. To obey God's word is the surest way to experience all that God has in store for us. End quote. Is is that your sense of holiness? That holiness or the obedience of God's word is life itself, the source of joy. It's not a kill joy. It is indeed the source of joy. And you're thinking, wow, how? How? You know, I read that and I thought to myself, right in the middle of lunch, that's essentially it. When God commands us to be holy, He is essentially commanding us to obey His Word. And if we look at verse 22 of today's text, that's precisely what it says. Holiness is obeying the truth, obeying God's Word. Verse 22, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. And why should we obey? Well, like I said, there are four reasons why. First, verse 13 And 14 inform us that we ought to obey, we ought to be holy. Those two terms are interchangeable, obedience to God's word and holiness. Because we're saved and we're no longer lost. We are completely new creatures. As birds attempt to fly, so likewise born-again Christians attempt to be holy. Through the Holy Spirit, it's now part of our DNA. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking to myself afterwards, how do I really sell this? How do I create a desire in them to be holy? And, and, and it's as if the, the Holy Spirit told me, you don't have to. It's already in them. Because if the moment when you were born again, God changed your heart. He gave you a heart transplant. And now He gave you a desire for the things of God. And I'm operating underneath that belief this morning. We no longer follow through on evil desires. We may get those thoughts, but we fight them. And because we're no longer living ignorantly without the knowledge of God, in fact, that's what it says here in the text, the Christian mind is illuminated and led by the Word of God into a pathway of holiness. Without God's Word, therefore, it is impossible to be holy. Just read verse 22. In God's Word, the great commandment instructs us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, might, and mind. And then, verse 14 informs us that the mind plays a critical role in our holiness. You see, friends, holiness doesn't just come upon us in some mystical experience. We're not going to be holy by sitting alone on a rock for hours. Holiness requires the active engagement of the mind. In fact, it is our ignorance that leads to unholiness, as the text says here. Verse 14. We once lived in ignorance... Ignorance of what? Ignorance of the knowledge of the Word of God. And so when our minds are illuminated with knowledge, so begins our quest down the pathway of holiness. Second, we ought to be holy because verses 15 and 16 inform us that we ought to be like our Father. We ought to be holy because our God is holy. Is there... Is there a greater reason? I can't think of a higher reason. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. Verse 23 states that we are born again into the father's family as children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the only way you can be a part of God's family, the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment that we believe and we are born again, we possess the Father's desires. Conversely. You ever, you know, if you ever worked in counseling, why does it feel like you're beating a dead horse? When you try to make unbelievers desire that which is holy. John 8:44, Jesus tells a group of unbelievers, You are of your father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your Father. So the question could be this morning, who is your Father? If God is your Father, you will naturally have the Father's desires for that which is holy. As children, we desire to fulfill the desires of our Father. And if God is your Father, you will want to do His desires. In fact, today's verse 17 actually uses the word Father to refer not only to the first person in the Trinity, namely God, but it invokes the imagery of a dad who's going to come back home soon. For those of you who've been raised with a father, you know how this feels like. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. A lot of preachers don't like preaching verses like 17. But it's right there in the New Testament, isn't it? I love my dad with all my heart. But I remember one of the, some of the worst moments was hearing his footsteps coming home when I knew I had done something wrong because I knew I was going to get it. That's sort of when you read verse 17, the Bible doesn't pull any punches there. Contrary to what our society tells us, such a loving yet reverent fear of God is healthy and it does contribute to a healthier life overall as we strive for holiness that's a good thing that's a good thing god is not just your friend but he is also a just father third we ought to be holy because verses 18 through 20 reminds us that we were redeemed we were bought Not with money, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for your sins so that you could die to your sins. And here, it is a great time to share the gospel. The gospel declares that though there is a holy God who loves you, this God is a righteous and just and perfect God. And as a result, because all humans are sinners and because all sins against an infinitely holy God deserve infinite punishment in hell, when we die as guilty sinners, all of us deserve hell. And someone might say, well, isn't it fair that someone in the the jungles of South America somewhere who've never heard the gospel, is it not fair that God sends that person to hell? And the response from Scripture is clear. It's not an issue of justice. If, it's, if it was an issue of justice, we would all be in hell. But it's an issue of mercy. God gives his mercy to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And so God, in his love, sent his only Son, who was fully God and fully man, to die on the cross for our sins. Three days later, he resurrected from the grave so that anyone who hears this message and repents from their sinful way of life and believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord, God, and Savior will have eternal life. And that's a promise made in Scripture. I stand on the authority of God's Word. And for all of you facing loved ones going through crisis and disease, you can hold to that. Take it to the bank. That as we age and these bodies are, are, are eventually shedded, we will spend eternity with God in heaven if we believe in Jesus Christ. And we look forward to that day because verse 17 states that the moment we pass from this earth and meet our God in heaven, our God will judge us and our works impartially. If we live the life of holiness, we will be rewarded. Fourth and finally, we ought to be holy because verse 22 informs us that holiness sanctifies us so that we are able to love each other deeply from the heart. That one might come as a surprise to many of you. I've read the Bible many times, but when I was preparing this message, it was an eye-opener. Wow, being holy causes and enables me to love others in a way that I can't if I wasn't holy. Think about that. Jesus once said that where sin abounds, the love of many wax cold. From personal experience, I know this to be true. When I am struggling with sin in my life, I might not tell anybody about it, but when I am struggling with sin in my own heart, it is very, very difficult for me to genuinely love and care for others. Is that not true? But this is not true of just individuals. It is also true of communities and even nations. Think about this. Neighborhoods with high crime rates tend to breed indifference and even animosity towards the weak and the hurting. Growing up in New York City, I knew for a fact that the most sin-ridden neighborhoods were also the places where love died quickly. Gangs were rampant. Children were left to fend for themselves. Daughters were used for profit. And fathers abandoned their families and were absent from many homes as they pursued their selfish pleasures. And truth be told, you just can't separate love from holiness. If there's ever a motivation for you wanting to be holy, it should be your desire to be able to love others. In fact, go home with this today. Undefiled love is the best expression of holiness. I'm going to say it one more time. Undefiled love is the best expression of holiness. You will end up naturally keeping God's word, for example, the Ten Commandments, if you simply aim to love God and your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because if you love your neighbor, you won't steal from your neighbor. You won't worship idols if you love your God. You won't murder your neighbor if you love your neighbor. In fact, hatred is the beginning of murder. You won't lie to your customers if you love them. You won't commit adultery if you love your wife. Are you beginning to understand this? Far from being a killjoy, God's holiness is actually, it it serves... For all of us, as a preservation of our joy. Marriages, families, communities all flourish when holiness abounds. Now, for those of you who are still doubting this, let's be honest. All of us deep down inside, we all want holiness, even unbelievers desire it. Think about that. All humans generally tend to pick holier neighborhoods to pick in. Yeah, we have different names for it. We say, "Oh, that's a safer neighborhood," or whatever we want to say about it. But ge- essentially, what it comes down to is humans generally tend to pick holier neighborhoods to pick in, to live in. Banks examine credit scores because they want holier borrowers, right? People who will pay them back. Banks want holy customers. They won't put it in that phrase, but that's what they want. Employers do background checks on potential candidates because they want holier employees. Parents want holier schools for their children. And for those of us with children, don't we all pray that one day they will marry someone with pure motives and morals? We all pray that one day they will find a holy spouse. Someone like Joseph in the Bible, a man who when no one is looking is, is still living a holy life. So all people desire holiness, but here's the key difference. Whereas unbelievers often get frustrated with their inability to be holy, Christians on the other hand are empowered by the Holy Spirit to strive daily towards a holier life. You should be holier now than you were two years ago. You should be holier three years from now than you are today. That's called sanctification, and the Holy Spirit is working in your life. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but the message of today's verse 23 simply is this. Christians strive for holiness not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we are saved. It's part of who we are. We are able to be holy. We are born again into God's family. We have the ability to fulfill the command. And so friends, as dearly beloved children of God, go out and love a holy world, a hurting world which desires holiness. They may never tell you, but that's that's, that's exactly what they want. You don't have to cover it up. They want that. Go out and imitate your Heavenly Father And be holy as he is holy. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the message today. Lord, simply my desire.